The following is a presentation of the Center for Dermatology, Cosmetic, and Laser Surgery in Mount Kisco. Recapture your youthful look with Dr. David Bank. Visit thecenterforderm.com. You'll be happy you did. Welcome to the Health and Happiness Show with Casey. This is a weekly presentation with guests, ideas, information, and fun designed to improve your life from 100.7 WHUD. A few years back, there was a book and then a movie called Wild by Cheryl Strayed. Cheryl hiked the Pacific Coast Trail to walk out a mountain of pain after she lost her mother and spiraled into addiction. There's a line in that book and movie that when I heard it rang out in my core. Cheryl's mother is quoted as saying, there's a sunrise and a sunset every day. Put yourself in the way of beauty. In my motivational speaking, when I go out and present everything I need to know I learned on the radio, I refer to that quote because being put in the way of beauty was a lifesaver for me. Countless times I've stood alone under the stars, either walking into or out of a radio station at odd hours and staring up at the sky, feeling every bit a part of nature. I believe the trees, the sky, the earth itself is calling out to heal us walking on and breathing in that prana, enveloped in the Earth's vibration. Nature can take your pain and transmute it, like the girl in the fairy tale turning straw into gold. Nature can take your grief and give you back your glory. Perhaps people who take to the trail know that instinctively. There's something sacred and cleansing about being alone with Mother Nature. And there's something transformational in surviving a 2,650-mile journey on foot alone, for the most part, as today's guest, Aspen Mattis, has. A piece of my own story bubbles up as I tell Aspen's, because to use her words, to leave it out would be a lie of omission. Her book is called A Girl in the Woods, and like Cheryl Strayed's story, Wild, Aspen Mattis took to the Pacific Coast Trail alone to walk out trauma, loss, pain, confusion, shame, anger, violation, and thankfully there's a happy ending. On the second night of Aspen's first year of college, while, as she will tell us, her colorful paper name tag was still taped to her dorm door, Aspen Mattis was raped. She has had her pain alchemized in nature and is now buoyant with hope and glory. As harsh as her story is, it also has traces of a fairy tale. The soulful maiden meets the handsome hiker on the path whose name is Dash? Uh, that was his trail name. I was wild child. We, we each had trail names that were either given to you by another hiker, another person who was walking the trail all the way from Mexico to Canada, the through hikers, or um, sometimes you got your name from something stupid you did, um, or sometimes you got your name from a trail angel, the people who lived along the trail and did trail magic for hikers, like let us shower at their, at their homes and sometimes um, made dinner for hikers along the trail. What a story. Girl in the Woods, Aspen Mattis, our guest. Uh, but you ended up marrying Dash, did you not? I did, yeah. So after 2,000 miles of walking, um, I met a man who it turned out was also walking from Mexico to Canada. And for 2,000 miles, we'd been within about a day's walk of each other, trekking north in basically nearly perfect sync. Um, and in Bend, Oregon, after 2,000 miles of walking, uh, we finally met. And I thought he was super cute, um, and he thought I was super interesting. <laughs> and um, we, we decided we would, would finish the walk together. And we were 600 miles from Canada. Um, in those miles of camping together and 
hiking together and surviving like really really terribly cold ice storms and like the goat rocks wilderness on the knife edge which is this high ridge and whiteout conditions and crossing rivers together really swift glacial melt rivers and rationing our food and sharing food we really got to know each other really well wow i want to tell the whole story but everybody should read this book it's it's a fascinating read but i have to know this how much time did you spend apart after the hike was done the hike listen to me the trek after this <laughs> this journey was over how much time did you have apart before he called or you called to say hey let's get together again Immediately after the trail, we, we finished in, in Canada, and we took a little road trip together. And we actually, we got on a bus up to Vancouver, and then we rented a car and drove through Victoria and then down Highway 1 through Washington State and Oregon and then the Lost Coast. But then we did, I flew back from San Francisco, and we said goodbye, and I flew back to Colorado. And um, he was like, I'm going to like, I'm gonna see you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, right. And so I went and I moved into this, this house with my friend Angela. It was kind of like a college house in Colorado Springs. And I remember going through airport security. I was so sad. I was just crying uncontrollably. Um, I was really, really, really upset that we had to say goodbye. And I remember going through security. This man handed me a box of tissues. A security guard handed me a box of tissues and said, I'm sorry for your loss. Oh. <laughs> and I was like... Oh. <laughs> Because um, I really, truly didn't know if I was going to see him again. Sure. Yeah, after these six weeks. It was just six weeks we had together. And then did he and, just appear? Yeah, so so two weeks from the day we said goodbye, there, there was a, a knock on Angela in my door. And um, it was probably like 10 o'clock at night. And he was, it was, I opened the door and it was Justin. His real name is Justin. And he was like, can I come in? And I was like, uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, and it turned out he had, this isn't in the book, <laughs> um, but he had driven from from California to Colorado Springs nonstop for 25 hours. Wow. And he just showed up and he came in and then like we just, he basically, and he was like, oh, yeah, I was, uh, was going to move to Colorado Springs anyway. <laughs> I was like, yeah, for sure, because Colorado Springs is really, uh, you know, where, where people dream of moving. <laughs> it's like, you know, like suburban Colorado, random place. So, and so then he ended up getting an apartment literally across the street from us. And then within about, I would say, about a month, I had basically moved in with him. Yeah, Angela knew her days as a roommate were numbered. Right, right. She didn't mind too much. I kept paying rent and was never there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was a good situation. What a great story. Now, how long are you married? Um, it was four years. And how do you like New York? I love New York. And did you ever go back to college? I Well, um, actually, um, not really, but... I mean, I took some college classes, but after the book came out, I finally now have time, and I applied to colleges this winter and just found out that I got into Columbia University in New York, and I'll be going to Columbia in the fall, and I'm so terrified and so excited, and I'm going to be the oldest undergrad ever. Sweetie, um, after what <laughs> you've been through, I think you can handle Columbia. <laughs> Thank you. I think you can handle Columbia. Uh, I, I want to just ask this right off the bat. Is this going to be a movie? It's going to be a scripted television series. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow, a series. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually not supposed to talk about... We won't. We won't talk about it. We won't talk about that. Uh, A a, a scripted series about your life. It's kind of nuts, yeah. Sweetie, you had the worst night of your life. Your second night of college. Was it your second night of college? My second night. Where was that? That was in Colorado Springs at Colorado College. Um, So, yeah, I... I left from 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 Massachusetts, where I grew up, to to Colorado. Um, and on my second night there, before classes had actually even begun, um, like before I had removed my colorful construction paper name tag from my dorm room door, um, I was raped by another freshman. So that was really my college experience, and I, I quickly I, I reported the rape to the school. They discouraged me from going to the police. Um, they encouraged me to go through what they called conflict mediation. They really treated it like something we had both done wrong. And in retrospect, that is just so entirely absurd, but like as if rape could be mediated, right. like a playground fight. Yeah. <laughs> I so, didn't realize at the time that the school had a conflict of interest and they didn't want a rape conviction on their campus. Um, and they found my rapist to be innocent and allowed him to remain on campus. And then they moved me off campus and then I dropped out to hike the trail. Your school disappointed you tremendously. Tremendously, yeah. And so. and your parents, they didn't have a great response either, did they? Well, I mean, they didn't respond in the way that I wish they had, but their reaction did come from a place of love. Like, of they, they love me a lot, and I think what I didn't realize at the time was a rape is also traumatic for the people who love you. So even though they, they weren't able to say, we love you, um... It was not your fault. This didn't change. This doesn't change a thing. And all the things that a counselor would tell you that you need to hear, because they were also shocked and horrified and kind of in a state of denial, which I can totally understand now after all these years. But yeah. one thing I can say is that, like, if you are um, if you are assaulted, talk to a professional, talk to a counselor, because they. Because your family is so emotionally involved and they never react appropriately. It's just like the universal thing that I've discovered. Yeah. And, and then they'll regret their, their reaction and feel horrible. Um, and ultimately, my parents came through for me. They were tremendously supportive of, of my decision to, to backpack the Pacific Crest Trail. And, they, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. And they, their support really enabled my healing through action more than through words. Was there a night on the trail? Was there, I'm sure there were many nights on the trail. And there's many nights outlined in the book. But was there a point in your life when you said... I'm sorry, I'm all, I'm all snotty because I was just having a good cry for myself while you were talking. Does that happen a lot? Do you make people cry? Oh, um, no, no probably not. Uh, it's me? just me, but we'll get <laughs> no, to that. I'm so touched. I'm so <laughs> no, we'll get to that. But um, what, was, what was the point, if you could share with us, on the trail when you said to yourself, I'm going to be okay? Well, I guess it kind of came in waves. Like, it would happen when, like, I had just survived something that I didn't think I could have possibly survived. Like, I think actually quite early on on the, on the trail, um, 
Well, on the very first day, um, I was walking along the trail, and I was eating a green apple, and I was feeling it was my last piece and my only piece, actually, of fresh fruit, and I was feeling kind of, like, happy and, you know, like, like I'm doing this, I'm here, and I'm walking along, and I almost step on a rattlesnake, and it rattles, and I scream, and I run back the way I've come, south on the trail, and just run, (laughs) and then after a couple minutes of running, I stop, and I'm like, okay, they're going to be rattlesnakes out here, I can do this, I know that rattlesnakes, like, you know, you don't don't want to step on one, I need to pay better attention, (laughs) but they're not going to, like, chase after you, that's not their nature, you know, just, if I see one, walk a wide path around it, and I'm going to be okay, so I, I walked back north, and I saw the snake again, and rather than screaming again and running back south again, I just took a wide path around it, and it didn't chase me, and I was fine, and I kept going, and my heart was pounding, and I was like, I can do this, you got this, you got this. <laughs> uh, it's almost biblical, you know, the symbolism here, you know. No, you start out, you're eating an apple, there's the snake, you oh, run. Oh, wow, that's you know. true. Wow, it's crazy. I never thought about that. And you, I want everyone to read the book Girl in the Woods by Aspen Mattis, and it will put you in mind a little bit of Cheryl Strayed's Wild, and, and your name on the trail was Wild Child. And it's wonderful yeah. to see that Cheryl gives a quote on the cover of your She has been so tremendously kind to me. I never could have imagined. She was like a heroine in my eyes. She, when when I first wrote about my hike for the New York Times Modern Love column, I wrote a piece called A Hiker's Guide to Healing, and she shared it to all of her followers, and I was just like in awe of her already and couldn't believe. I loved Wild. I couldn't believe that she knew about me or that she would, would share my story with the people who loved her her story and she said mercy i love this story and i was just like mind blown and and we've since become more virtual friends than than reality friends but through facebook we message back and forth and she apparently loved the book which is so amazing yeah you're pretty amazing aspen mattis the guest when you signed up for college uh what were you going to study then the college that you dropped out of i was going to study english and now you're going to columbia to study what philosophy. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, I'm going to say something shocking. Uh, uh, No, I'm not. I'm not. Like, there's a part of my heart says, no, I'm not going to say it. It's too wrong. No, you have to now. It's just, you know, we can't thank, go back and thank your rapist, you know, because what he did was absolutely terrible. But that from that terrible thing have come so many blessings. I actually truly agree with you. Like, of course, I would never want to be raped again, but it sounds so subversive and crazy to say, I'm glad that it happened because it it wasn't the end of my life. It was the beginning of something bigger. Right, right. You could have had an ordinary life as an English student and then gone on to wonderful things, but instead you are going to have an extraordinary life, an extraordinary life. Um, have you met... A lot of women who tell you their rape stories now. I have, and at first that was really hard for me. At first, I remember the first time it happened was when I, when I published my story in the New York Times, and it went viral. Like 11 million people read it, so I heard from all kinds of people. And more than anything, um, 
so there was a detail I included in my in my modern in my modern love that I was really unsure whether or not I should include because I knew I was going to be judged, and that detail was um, after the rape. Immediately after, I, I asked the boy if he would sleep over. In fact, I, I begged him to sleep over. I asked him to stay, and he told me I was effing crazy right. to ask for that, and he didn't. He left right. um, because he knew what he had done, and I think my irrational plea scared him and confused him. <laughs> and, um, and then I thought, I must be crazy because who asked the boy who has just raped her to stay, and I thought that this must be evidence that there was something wrong with me or with my mind, and I thought I must be the only one who had ever asked someone who had just assaulted them to stay with them, and I thought, like, I, I must be alone in this, and and I, I thought that if I included this detail in my story, people would think, oh, well, then that couldn't possibly be a rape if she asked him to stay, but I included it anyway because it felt like a lie of omission not to. And I ended up hearing from hundreds of women who also asked the man who had raped them to sleep over or who had written their rapist a love song or a love poem or one girl who had tutored her rapist for an entire semester in chemistry um, and one girl who actually asked her rapist if, if he would have sex with her again, and he didn't respond. And all these girls who had made contact, like kind of pleading to have more contact, good contact with their rapist. And it turns out it is actually the most common reaction. And we all thought that we must be the only ones. And that was kind of an extraordinary thing to realize. Like, we all thought we were alone in this, and we all thought we were crazy. And what I've since realized is um, not only is it the most common reaction, but it's a tremendously rational reaction because what you're really trying to do is you're in denial, and you're trying to retroactively correct a rape as if you could. Like, obviously... It, it doesn't work that way, but it's this, like, last-ditch, desperate effort to... You're like, oh, well, maybe if he sleeps over and he's nice to me tomorrow, then maybe it, maybe it wasn't rape, and I, and I can just continue. I can just carry on. Right. Um, right. It makes so much sense to me. And you are healing me now with this story. Because I, too, am in this group of women. And almost no one knows this. So, there you go. Wow, you're so brave. Hey, hey, you're so brave. You're so brave. So We're but, so brave. Yeah, but, but including that in your story is going to heal a lot of people. It, healed, it helps to heal me now. And my story is from long ago. And I didn't tell a soul until I was 29. Oh, my goodness. And then my healing journey, because your journey can't... You were very wise to get on the trail because your healing can't start until you say, I'm going to heal from this. You know, until you really take it on, I, I believe. And, uh, and my healing did not, I have a lot of stunted growth in those years where I was just a frozen person. So, so thank you for your book and thank you for being brave and thank you for including that very important piece in it because there is a piece in a young girl's heart or an older girl's heart or how age doesn't matter. But there's a piece that you just want to make it, fix it. You want to make it right, right away. Casey, thank you. And I think what you just said is so profound. Like, in telling your story, 
you will help others, but fundamentally you'll help yourself because you'll find that you're not alone and you'll find that you're not crazy and that you're part of a massive like population of people who have been through similar things who were all isolated in their silence. And the only way to find those people is to tell your truth and tell the truth. And there's no, it's not, any shame you're feeling is misplaced shame. It's not shame on you. It's shame on him. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Aspen Mattis, you are so wise and so beautiful and so wonderfully successful with this book that came from your heart and soul. I know there must be another book coming. There is. Oh, my (laughs) God. Has to be. Has to be. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, I'm just working on it now so it feels strange to talk about it because it's sort of unformed but it's called stoic bird it's really it's almost i feel like cocky saying this but it's sort of a philosophy book and um the question that i'm exploring is to what extent does what you do matter and to what extent are you capable of choosing to be good when you don't want to be like pausing at that juncture and deciding to override your kind of animalistic tendency, kind of choosing broccoli over sugar in the (laughs) cliche form. And I'm sure your professors at Columbia are going to read this book, your philosophy professors. That would be amazing. Oh my goodness. If I could, if I could get their feedback and I'm excited. I'm so excited. We're excited for you. Congratulations on the book, on the TV show that we can't talk about yet. Does Lena Dunham have anything to do with the TV show? She doesn't. The only way that she has anything to do with it is that she was the first person of that world who recognized me and she brought me to the set of girls and she told me that she loved my story and she kind of empowered me in that way. But she is, in that way, I guess she does have something to do with it. Yeah. So we'll, we'll find you on TV eventually. We'll find your next book, Stoic Bird, and we send everyone to the bookstore today to buy Girl in the Woods, Aspen Mattis. Casey, thank you so much. Thank you, Aspen Mattis. On this Independence Weekend, we recognize that living in freedom is a beautiful thing. And when it feels right, tell your truth, if only to one other person. It fosters freedom and helps you shine on. See you next week. Hi, Patty Holmes here with your Yoga Garden Minute and a bit of thought-provoking anatomy. Yoga teachers are always telling us to breathe. We focus on the movement of air as it travels in and out, but that's only half of the story. Can you guess where most of that oxygen gets delivered to? Which body part receives the greatest supply? If you guess the brain, good job, you're right. About 15 to 20% of our oxygen intake goes to our brains. Now, a tougher question. Which body part receives the second greatest amount of that oxygen supply? Your heart? Nope. Stomach? Nope. Lungs? No. Give up. Get ready for this one. The second greatest amount of incoming oxygen gets delivered to the deepest, most hidden parts of our bodies, all the way to the marrow of our bones. How cool is that? So now, full inhale. Feel it, finding its way deep, deep into your bones. This is Patty Holmes at yogagardenwp.com in White Plains, New York. (laughs) 
Ladies, you know how good it feels to catch a glimpse of your own reflection and smile back at it. Dr. David Bank at the Center for Dermatology, Cosmetic, and Laser Surgery in Mount Kisco can help refresh your reflection naturally. Long-lasting Thermage uses radio frequency to strengthen your skin. Thermage can help you regain a youthful contouring of your cheekbones and jaw. It works great on stretch marks and on your legs and around your knees, too. A Fraxel laser treatment pinpoints sunspots, scars, and wrinkles and stimulates your own natural collagen. Fraxel can help change damaged skin into glowing healthy skin. Ladies, in less time than a yoga class or a mani-pedi, you can renew and rejuvenate your skin and smile back at your reflection. Take the first step today. Call Dr. David Bank at the Center for Dermatology in Mount Kisco. Here's the number, 914-241-3003. And visit thecenterforderm.com. You'll be happy you did. You've been listening to The Health and Happiness Show with Casey. The content of The Health and Happiness Show is intended for general information purposes only. The Health and Happiness Show is a presentation of the Center for Dermatology, Cosmetic, and Laser Surgery in Mount Kisco. Recapture your youthful look with Dr. David Bank. Visit thecenterforderm.com. You'll be happy you did. You can listen to previously broadcast shows online at kcradio.com. And join Casey for another edition of The Health and Happiness Show next Sunday morning on 100.7 WHUD.